Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, January 13th, 2020. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. Today's show is presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PIC, P-I-C. That's promo code PIC, P-I-C. You can play for free this weekend in the $1 million play action contest for conference championship Sunday. $1 million in total prizes with $100,000 going to first place. You could win $100,000 this Sunday. Play for free. With your first deposit, sign up on my promo code. It's a free game. You can win $100,000 just by playing for free. All you got to do is sign up using promo code PIC, P-I-C. That's promo code PIC, P-I-C, at DraftKings.com. Welcome to the show on this Monday, January 13th, as we get set for the national championship game tonight in college football, Clemson versus LSU. LSU a five-point favorite in that one. As you know, if you listen to the show, I'm not the biggest college football guy. Uh, I do follow the uh, the playoffs, though, the college football playoffs, which I expect will expand at some point in the next 10 years. It will, it will go from four teams to six teams, or maybe you'll get a play-in game. Maybe you'll get eight teams. Uh, I, I do pay. My point is I do pay attention to the college football playoff. I will be watching this game tonight, Clemson-LSU. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because by the time you listen to this, perhaps it's Tuesday and that game's over with. So um, LSU, a five-point favorite. You want me to make my pick? I am going to take the points. I'm going to take Clemson. I'll take the points, which means that LSU is probably going to win and they're probably going to win big. Uh, my picks over the weekend in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs were no good. I went 1-3. and three. I only got one game right against the spread, and that was San Francisco minus 7. The 49ers a 7-point favorite over the Minnesota Vikings in San Fran. That was the only game that I won. The only team that covered for me was San Francisco. Um, I had uh, the Baltimore Ravens minus 9.5. Obviously, they lose, so they don't cover. I had the Houston Texans plus nine and a half, which looked great in the first, late in the first quarter, early in the second quarter, and then they lost by twenty, well, fifty-one to thirty-one. So they blew that for me. And I had Seattle plus four and a half. They lost by five, so they couldn't cover for me. So I only got one game right, and that was San Francisco minus seven. But a wacky weekend. A wacky weekend, not just a wacky weekend of football. I mean, the weather. Here in Boston, it was 70 degrees yesterday on Sunday. I was watching the divisional round with with my window open. Like, sunny, 70 degrees, window open, watching the divisional round of the NFL playoffs in January, and... Not being able to watch the Patriots play. I tweeted out, that is what you call a glitch in the simulation. 70 degrees in mid-January. The divisional round of the NFL playoffs are no Patriots. You know, I'm sitting in my living room with the window up. It's crazy. There's wacky weather. But that just means we are going to get absolutely bombarded with snow at some point. Whether it's 
tomorrow, whether it's in two weeks, whether it's next month or the month after that. I, see, people will they will love in the weather, and I'm I was trying. I'm I'm not gonna buy. I wasn't gonna buy into it. I wasn't gonna change anything that I was doing. I wasn't gonna do anything differently because it really is. It it it'll confuse you. Like it it'll mess you up. Right? It'll be a shock to the system. Now it's cold today. Some places in New England, there were snow flurries falling down. Um, I wasn't going to throw off my whole regimen just because we had a couple 65, 70 degree days. Saturday was warm too. I, I wasn't going to change anything. And, and unfortunately, I think this probably means we're going to have an awful winter and it's going to extend into the month of May. I, I think that's what it means. But who knows? We, we have to wait and see. It's, just, it's crazy. 70 degrees. I have my window up watching the NFL playoffs, watching the divisional round. And even crazier than that, we don't get to watch the Patriots. Did you enjoy football? If you're a Patriots fan, did you enjoy football yesterday? O- over the weekend at all? You know what? I actually did enjoy it. I, I thought it was exciting. I, I didn't think I, I'd have as much fun as I as I did watching football this weekend. Not to say I had a blast. Obviously, I'd, I'd have a better time if the Patriots are playing. Um, but maybe I was more relaxed. Like, I didn't feel like I was going to puke all weekend with, with that nervous, anxious feeling going into a big game. Uh, we had that the weekend before in the wild card round. But I, I did enjoy watching the games this weekend. You know, we we, we had some... Some crazy games. We had the crazy comeback in the Kansas City game. You had the Tennessee Titans, the number six seed, shocking the world, knocking off the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. And, you know, you had a, you had a very good game on Sunday night to close out the weekend with Green Bay and Seattle, the, the Packers beating the Seahawks. So there's a lot to talk about. And now we are down to the final four, which is going to be, and and it's interesting because both of these games, the AFC Championship and the NFC Championship, will be rematches from the regular season. The AFC Championship will be this Sunday at 3 o'clock, number 2 Kansas City versus number 6 Tennessee. This game is in Kansas City, so the Chiefs and the Titans, Kansas City, a 7.5 point favorite to open at home against the number 6 seed Tennessee Titans. And then the NFC Championship will be the second game of the day, Sunday at 6.40. Number one, San Francisco hosting number two, Green Bay. So the Packers go and play the 49ers in San Francisco. Another rematch, San Francisco will be a seven-point favorite in this one. But in these rematches, San Francisco, they whooped Green Bay. They whooped Green Bay earlier in the year. Um, And that game was... Was it, it? Was that game in San Fran? Where was that game? I, I believe it was in San Francisco. Um, and then Kansas City lost to Tennessee in November. And that game was in Tennessee. But Derrick Henry had a big day. He ran for like 190 yards. And that was the first game back for Patrick Mahomes coming off that injury. So uh, Tennessee has beaten Kansas City already. San Francisco has beaten Green Bay already. The difference with the Kansas City-Tennessee game is that this game now is going to be in Kansas City. And 
It's a play. I- I'll tell you this. I think Tennessee has a real shot. I do. I think Tennessee has a shot. As long as Derrick Henry is going to run like that, and as long as Ryan Tannehill is going to drop dimes like that, like he did in Baltimore on Saturday night, then Tennessee's got a real shot because you can put up points on Kansas City. I mean, Houston put up 31 points in that game. It's just Houston's defense couldn't couldn't get the job done. But uh, I'll break down all these games right now for you, one by one. It, it's just looking ahead to conference championship weekend. In the AFC Championship, it'll be the first one in a while without the Patriots. Um, but those are the matchups. Kansas City hosting Tennessee, and then San Francisco hosting Green Bay. Both rematches from the regular season. So uh, the divisional round began on Saturday afternoon. San Francisco beat the Vikings. I told you it was the only game they covered for me. This was actually a close one at the half. San Francisco led 14-10 at the half. The difference was a Kirk Cousins interception early in the third quarter. Richard Sherman gets the pick. Richard Sherman now doing a whole lot of talking. Right? I mean, Richard Sherman can be a tough guy to root for because he just, he proves people wrong and then he proves people wrong and tells you about it. But he tells you about it so much that you have to take a step back and go, well, how many people is he actually proven wrong? Do people actually think Richard Sherman can't do what he's doing? Like, is he as much of an underdog as, as he's tried to portray himself? And I don't think he has been. So the more he talks about how he's proven people wrong, I think the more he gets exposed as being a guy that is kind of creating that argument for himself, maybe to continue to motivate himself. I don't know. I, I think Richard Sherman... He's doing things that I expect him to do. So I don't really know what he's talking about half the time. But he had a big interception, and that interception turned into points for San Francisco, turned into a touchdown, points off turnovers, especially when you're at home in the playoffs. That is a huge difference maker, and it was the difference. Um, And the 49ers, they go on to win this game, and I thought that Cousins' interception was was huge. Cousins, what was he sacked? Five or six times. I told you they'd be in his face. That San Francisco front, they're going to get to the quarterback. And that is something, certainly, that Aaron Rodgers is... is Green Bay is going to have to do something. Because in that game that they had a couple months ago, San Francisco, they whooped Green Bay. They were all over Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers had a tough night because he had guys in his face all night. And that's just what San Francisco is going to do. And that's what they did with the, uh, against the Vikings, and now the 49ers go to the NFC Championship. And so that was the first game of the day on Saturday. And then Saturday night, Baltimore loses to the Titans. Are we still putting Lamar Jackson in the Hall of Fame? Are we still doing that? And he, Lamar Jackson's numbers were, were great. They were great. I don't know if you had him in your DraftKings lineup or, or, or whatever you're doing, but Lamar Jackson had, had great numbers. The box score shows that the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, you know, he, he put up numbers. The, the, problem with, the problem in this one was something that I told you all year long when it comes to Baltimore. And I kind of, I tried to relate it to the Patriots and a potential Patriots rematch. You know, the Patriots lost to Baltimore in Week 9 in Baltimore. It was an ugly game for the Patriots. Uh, Baltimore dominated them in, in all phases of the game. 
You know, Lamar Jackson was throwing the ball. He Lamar Jackson was running the football. And then you had Ingram with a big night against the Patriots running the football as well. And and Ingram's the lack of an Ingram presence. I mean, he only had six rushes in this game against Tennessee for like twenty-two yards. But he's banged up, so so they had to really limit him. He's been hurt with a calf injury. They had to limit him. That's a big loss for Baltimore because when you don't have that run game going with someone like Ingram, then all of a sudden you're not such see Baltimore's offense was was three dimensional. You know, Lamar Jackson can throw the football. He can run the football, but then you also have a running back that's that had a great season. Um, you know, Ingram averaged five yards a carry this year. He ran for over a thousand yards. He had ten rushing touchdowns. Ingram was a weapon for them. And so because he was such a weapon, I think it opened up other things for Lamar Jackson. And when Lamar Jackson, those other things are both throwing and running the football, all of a sudden, you get an offense, you don't know what to do against that offense. So when Ingram is limited with this injury, he only gets six carries, 22 rush yards, you know, that hurts Baltimore's offense. But I I thought this game came down to something that I talked about all year long with Baltimore, and I, like I said, I did relate this to a potential Patriots rematch, to a potential rematch between the Patriots and the Ravens. And my what what I kept saying about Baltimore was how will Lamar Jackson play from behind? What will he what can Baltimore's offense do playing from behind? Well, not only did they have to play from behind in this game and play from behind early, they had to play from behind without Ingram. And and how would Lamar Jackson be able to handle that? And and he wasn't able to. I mean, he, two interceptions, oh what were they? Oh for three, oh for four. 0 for 4 on 4th down conversion attempts. Lamar Jackson lost the fumble. The Titans turned those turnovers also into points. Whether it was turnover on downs or the interception, the fumble. Um, you know, credit the Titans. Derrick Henry, 195 rush yards. 195 rush yards. And then Ryan Tannehill. I mean, he made the, he made the big throws. You know, he threw the touchdown pass early. And then he threw another one, you know, that, that deep, that deep ball, that dime that he threw and like Ryan Tannehill's making these plays on you. A lot of that has to do with the the threat that Derrick Henry is, but also you gotta, you know, you gotta put that ball in the money. You know, it's one thing to be able to run the play action and fake out the defense and, and all this as a quarterback, but you need to make those throws. You need to be accurate and you need to execute in the, the biggest game of your life. And Ryan Tannehill did that. He did it. And so we got to, I got to credit him. I got to pray. I got to praise him today. You know, I'm not going to put Tannehill in the hall of fame. I'm, I'm not going to say that Tannehill, you know, we've, we're already hearing it with Tannehill. They're like, oh, he's going to get a big money deal this off season. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I don't know about that. At least maybe he will. The NFL is a stupid league. They, they, maybe somebody will pay him. I don't know that he deserves that is what I'm saying. Um, the overreaction culture that we live in will give him, will give Ryan Tannehill $30 million a year next year. Uh, he's having a nice, he's having a nice little run. The Titans are shocking the world. You know, that's shocking to see Baltimore not just lose, but lose the way they did. They got punched in the mouth. They got punched in the mouth early. It was in their building and they were, they just were not able to recover. You know they got a lot. They racked up the yardage. 
Lamar Jackson put up numbers, but when it came to trying to put it in the end zone, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And the Titans just executed. And, and they executed and got those points off of some turnovers, too. And, and you know, if I'm a Ravens fan today, like, you, the, the Ravens went for it on fourth down. The first two times they went for it on fourth down, in which Lamar Jackson ran it. You know, the first one, I think he was in shotgun. And I'm going, I don't understand that. You're going to go for it on fourth down. It was like fourth and one. And you put Lamar Jackson in shotgun. I, th- that makes no sense. So, all of a sudden, you're making it, you're turning a fourth and one into a fourth and three. Fourth and four. Yeah, maybe a little shorter than that. But, but you get my point. Like, you shouldn't be trying to, trying to lose yards on the fourth and one when you're going for it with the quarterback sneak. The second one, they had Lamar Jackson under center. And I'm thinking, okay, all he's got to do, snap the football and go forward. Lamar Jackson gets the snap. He backs up, goes to his right. He, he, he runs backwards. He runs away from the spot that he's trying to get to, which is just f- go forwards. So I'd be pissed off at that. Like that. That's not just a lack of execution. That's idiotic. That's moronic. Like you, you, you cannot let that happen. This should, don't, don't complicate this. Just because he's a dynamic runner and you've done all this dynamic stuff, right now this is Smash Mouth football. It's fourth and one. You snap that ball and you go forward. Two times they decided let's go back further than we than we want to. It made no sense to me, um, and it affected him. You know, but I did always ask all season long, how would Baltimore play? How would Lamar Jackson play when they have to play from behind? And Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry forced them to play from behind early in this game. And I told you, if if they play from behind, I think you might be asking Lamar Jackson to do a little too much, especially with Ingram limited, injured. And uh, it led to some some turnovers. And then to some decisions where they had to go for it on fourth down, which which they've been great at all year long. It's just, you know, everybody bears down in the playoffs. This is playoff football. And there were a lot of people all year long putting Lamar Jackson in the Hall of Fame. And I told you, pump the brakes on it. Because, you know, when you get to the playoffs, it is a different beast. And it was a different beast for Lamar Jackson. Now, he was the MVP of the regular season. You can't take that away from him. And, and I know some people hear my criticisms of the Lamar Jackson praise and they think that I'm criticizing Lamar Jackson and you could turn it into that. I haven't. I, I just thought, pump the brakes. It's a little too much. Everybody always wants the next big thing or the next guy that's going to change the game. And I, and I, I just don't think that Lamar Jackson is, is going to do that. You know, it was exciting to watch. He had a nice year. But let's see where it goes. You, know, you got to win in the playoffs to, to get anything in this. To get anything done in this league, you got to win the playoffs. And, and right now, they, he hasn't been able to do it. It's a small sample size, but they weren't able to do it. They had a home game against the number six seed. You know, the Patriots weren't able to do it either. So, so I do want to credit the Titans. I mean, they've been, they've been balling right now. But now they have to go to Kansas City. And they have to go to Kansas City because the Chiefs, with a comeback that wasn't as big a comeback as the Patriots in the Super Bowl against Atlanta. I get what you want to say, like, it just, but it wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, Patriots, like, we're talking about late in the, in the second half. 
This all happened in the first half. It's it's a great comeback. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not going to compare it to the Patriots' comeback over Atlanta in the Super Bowl. Uh, Houston, in the first game on Sunday, in Kansas City, Houston goes into Kansas City. Houston's already beaten Kansas City this year in Kansas City, in which they put up 30 points. So they probably figure they can do it again. If you had told anyone going into that game that Houston puts up 30 points, 31 points, and they had a 24-0 lead at one point in this game, in the first half. If you told me that, I'd say Houston wins the game. Right? Houston wins the game. They did it once, they'll do it again. Houston wins the game. Well, Houston loses the game. They blew a 24-0 lead. Um, Bill O'Brien is getting crushed today for some decisions he made in that first half when they had the lead. Yeah, I think the criticism's fair of Bill O'Brien. I He's not the best coach in the league. We know that. He's been criticized a lot. I've criticized him many times on this show. But when you have a 24-0 lead, and you are an organization that historically is known for your defense. Like, Houston's problem for the last 10 years has always been they don't have a quarterback. They don't have an offense. They can't score. They can't go into Kansas City and score 30 points in a divisional round. They can prevent Patrick Mahomes from scoring 30 points, but they can't score 30 points. Houston, this organization has always been an organization known for their defense. To where we've always said they need a quarterback. Once they get that quarterback, they'll be in position to make a serious run. Well, they got the quarterback. They have the offense. Hopkins did get banged up in this game. Um, But Deshaun Watson still, he makes some big plays. He makes some nice throws. He's not out of a game, usually ever. But but after taking a 24-0 lead... This game ends with Kansas City scoring 51 points. <laughs> like, So, when you let up 51 points, you blow a 24-0 lead. That's on Houston's defense. It's on Houston's defense. So how much can I come on this show today and crush Bill O'Brien? It's the obvious stuff. I get it. You know, the, the fake punt from your own 30 when you're up 24 nothing, Right? Um, or was it, it wasn't 24 nothing at that. What was it, the fake punt in that? Um, when did that? When did that happen? The fake punt. The turnover on downs. It was 24-7. Excuse me. 24-7. Kansas City responded with a touchdown after Houston decided to kick a field goal to make it 24-0. This is a wacky game. A wacky start to the game. But it was 4th and 1 at the Kansas City 13. Houston led 21-0. And I think people wanted the Texans to end the Chiefs season by going for it on that 4th and 1 while up 21-0 early in the second quarter. And just saying, you're done. We're going to get this fourth down conversion, and then we're going to score a touchdown. People wanted Houston to go for it in that spot. Fourth and one. I'm okay that they didn't go for it. I, I like I, If I'm a Texans fan, like I, I wasn't mad at them for that. You go up 24-0. You kick the field goal. You don't overthink it. Go up 24-0. 
Well, Kansas City responds to that with a touchdown. Then, then, Houston gets the football. At their own 31, fourth and four, they set up the punt, and they give a direct snap, fake punt, they don't get it. It was a great play by Sorensen, a great one-on-one tackle. That was dumb. You get, because then that was dumb. Like you cannot call a fake punt in that spot. You have to kick it, punt it. Your own 31 yard line. So you're giving Kansas City, they just scored a touchdown on you. Right? You go you go three and out, and instead of just going three and out and punting, you go three and out and you give Kansas City the ball at your own 33? Like in Kansas City? Can't happen. You know what Kansas City did? They scored a touchdown. All of a sudden, it's 24-14. And at that point, in that moment, you can sense Houston was not going to win this game. They were not going to win this game. So that fake punt was such a dumb decision. You you just can't do it. You can't you can't you cannot go for it there. And and if they ended up getting it, you know, some people might be singing a different tune today. I would still tell you it's a dumb decision because the risk to me was so much greater than the reward, right? The reward is you get a first down, but, but then maybe you got to punt anyways. Who knows what happens after that? The reward is you just get a first down and, and then, then there's a big unknown the rest of the drive. The risk is you give Kansas City, a team that just scored a touchdown in their own building, feeling good about a comeback, you give them the ball at the 33-yard line. Like... That's a huge risk, and Kansas City made him pay, and it was a 10-point game, but really, it might as well have been tied. When Kansas City scored their second touchdown and cut the lead down to 10, 24-14, game might as well have been tied. Might as well have, the game might as well have started then. Kansas City might as well have been up 7 nothing, <laughs> Right? And, and then it was over. And Kansas City, you know, all of a sudden, Houston started playing like Kansas City did in the first quarter. Kansas City in the first quarter, they were dropping passes. Kelsey drops a pass. Uh, the, the Tyree kill, muffs a punt, muffs a kick. Um, you know, it, it just, it was an ugly game. And, well, then you had the you had the block punt as well. Uh, man, Houston played like Kansas City did, which was nervous, dropping balls. And Kansas City was feeling it in their own building. Place was rocking. Patrick Mahomes, five touchdown passes. And uh, the Chiefs put up 51 points. And they beat Houston 51-31. And now Tennessee has to go into Kansas City in the AFC Championship. And then the night ended with Green Bay beating Seattle in a tight one at Lambeau. It was freezing cold there. I told you this was going to be a tight one. Ah, they Green Bay just covered the four and a half points. They just covered. They won by five. Um, Green Bay was up 21-3 at the half, though. Like, this, the first half, this wasn't really a close game. And I, you got the sense, the first drive of the game by Green Bay, Green Bay drives down eight plays, 75 yards, a touchdown to Devontae Adams. It looked like Aaron Rodgers was going to be on. But the first play of that drive, the first play of the game 
was a 23-yard run by Aaron Jones to the left side, and I'm going, oh, this, this game might be over right now. If Seattle's going to let that happen on the first play, you know, they got no shot. You're going to let Aaron Jones in the first play of the game run to the left for 23 yards that easy. If it's going to be, if you're going to make it that easy for them in their own building, freezing cold weather in a playoff game, you're opening other things up for Devontae Adams and those guys. If you're going to make it that easy for Green Bay, you're going to have a long, Seattle's going to have a long night ahead of them. Now, credit Seattle. They came back in the second half. And we got to the point where we did have a controversial call that ultimately decided the game. The first down play, they gave Green Bay the first down. And they reviewed it. Was that a first down? I don't think it was. I don't think it was. I really don't. I mean, it was tough to see where the football was. I don't think that was a first down, though. But I have a tough time getting worked up about that because it would have been, you know, then then what would have happened? You know what I mean? Um, I think you probably look at me. They could have got the first down after that. It would have because it would have been fourth and inches after that, right? Fourth and inches, like fourth and an inch, and maybe they Aaron Rodgers gets the first down to QB sneak or something, uh, or maybe they don't go for it. And may, may, you know, maybe they, maybe they don't go for it in that spot. But I think if you're Seattle, if you're a Seahawks fan today, I think what you should be frustrated is not at that call where they gave Green Bay the first down where it looked like they were a little short and looked like a bad call. I think what you should be frustrated is with Seattle deciding to punt late in this game. Where they decided to punt. I mean, terrible decision. I I don't understand it. Like, you're on the road, right? You're in Green Bay. Um... You got the ball at your own 36, 241 left. I get it. You got three timeouts and the two-minute warning. But I just thought you're down five points. You've been scoring, right? You got you got 20 points in the second half. You're outscoring Green Bay 20-7 to seven in the second half. You, you have to, you got to go, you got to go for it. On I know it's fourth and eleven. But you j- you have to go for it because you're kicking. That's your season. You know, Green. If Aaron, then if you kick it at Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers does his thing. You get a call doesn't go your way. Your season's over. You don't get the ball back. Seattle needs. They needed to go for it on fourth and eleven from their own thirty-six. They did, and and they decided to punt. And I thought it was a bad decision. I thought the season was on the line in that moment, and with the season on the line, that they decided to make a bad decision. <laughs> isn't that isn't that something with Seattle? Huh? That's something that seems to continue with Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. Season on the line. Should you should do one thing, you decide to do the other. Bad decision. Seattle, Pete Carroll, they make bad decisions when the season is on the line. Um, so Green Bay, and then Aaron Rodgers. You know, Seattle punts, Aaron Rodgers does his thing. Beautiful pass to Devontae Adams. Then he finds Jimmy Graham. Game over. Green Bay, they move on to the NFC Championship. They will go to San Francisco uh, against 49ers team that whooped them. 49ers whooped Green Bay in the regular season. So uh, that's what we had over the weekend with the NFL playoffs. And now you look at the odds to win Super Bowl 54 with four teams left. Here are the odds. Super Bowl 54 in Miami. Kansas City, the favorite right now to win the Super Bowl, plus 125. San Francisco, the second best odds, 
to win the Super Bowl at plus 165. Green Bay, plus 700. And then Tennessee, plus 800. I tell you what. Green Bay plus 700 is a good bet. That's good value to win the Super Bowl. I mean, I could envision San Francisco certainly getting all up in Aaron Rodgers' grill again and 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 beating Green. Like, I could see San Francisco at home on Sunday at 640. Like, I could see San Francisco winning that game. But when it comes to value and, and your return, and if you are a gambling man and you're going to put money, I think Green Bay plus 700 to win the Super Bowl right now, those are, those are good odds. Because Green Bay looks good. I mean, they were a 13-win team. I picked against them. I thought Seattle would win this game in Green Bay. I, I, I thought that Green Bay was is the most underwhelming 13-win team we've seen in a long time in this league. But plus 700, seeing some of the throws Aaron Rodgers was making, if they can get, you know, keep that run game going and play any defense at all, or if they can really, what it's going to come down to Sunday, San Francisco, Green Bay, if, if Green Bay can block for Aaron Rodgers, then Green Bay obviously has a shot to win. Like they do. They have a shot to win that game. It's not like Green Bay is this wild card team that, uh, is a Cinderella story. They're not a Cinderella story. I don't think they're a... I, 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 I don't think, out of all the teams that we've talked about in the NFC that had, you know, the talent, like New Orleans, but, I mean, what does that matter now? New Orleans lost in the wild card round. So, and as much as I've knocked Aaron Rodgers and I've told you he's not on that level with... You know, he's to me, Aaron Rodgers needs another ring for me to put him in the conversation of one of the one of the best of all time. He's not in that conversation yet. He's still an elite quarterback. Like let's not let's not take that away that away from him. Like Aaron Rodgers, I'm not saying he's not an elite quarterback. He is. So plus seven hundred for Green Bay to win the Super Bowl. I just think those are good odds. I do. I think those are good odds. I will make my picks for conference championship weekend on Thursday's show. So uh, I'm hoping to be better than the divisional round, though. But, man, I almost covered with Seattle. And Houston, it was looking great, wasn't it? It was uh, plus nine and a half. They jump out to a 21 nothing lead. Then they kick the field goal, 24 nothing, And I was okay with that field goal. Then they let up a touchdown, and they decide to fake a punt. And you're like, ah, oh, here. Here's another touchdown, Kansas City. I still thought maybe, you know, this thing would it would be coverable for Houston, and it wasn't. They lost 51-31. to 31. Man, will Bill O'Brien, will he be fired? There's actually odds on I'm looking at all these odds right now. I gave it the odds for the Super Bowl. Here's, here's a bet you can make. Will Bill O'Brien be head coach of the Texans in 2020 in week one? Minus 300. That he will be the coach of Houston. Plus 200, that he won't be. If you think Bill O'Brien's going to be fired, well, it's plus 200. If you think he's going to stay in Houston, they're not going to fire him. Minus 300. They got to figure out the defense because they got the offense now. And that, if I'm a Texans fan, that would be so frustrating to me is that you could complain about the coach all you want. 
Bill O'Brien is an offensive guy. Like, defensively, personnel and defensive coaching, that needs to be better. For all these years, you've gone into the playoffs with these big, bad defenses. And you've had no offense because you have no quarterback. Now, you're dealing with, uh, who are their quarterbacks? Matt Schaub, um, TJ Yates, is that the guy's name? Is that another guy? (laughs) Who else? I'm sure there's a couple others I'm not even thinking of. Now you got Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins. You got an offense that's putting up points. You go into Kansas City, you score 31. You can't stop shit in the second quarter, third quarter, and the fourth quarter. That has to be so frustrating where it just flip-flops on you if you're a Texans fan. It's like, we had the defense for the longest time. Now we get the offense. Can we just play some average defense? You can't do that at flip-flops. Now the Houston defense looks like the offense did in the playoffs. Clueless. So, is that a Bill O'Brien? Is that Bill O'Brien's fault? Bill O'Brien's an offensive guy. He made some, they made some dumb decisions. And the dumbest was choosing to 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 go for, for the for the fake punt. That was dumb. Um is that a fireable offense? Well, even if they got the first down there, I for all we know, Kansas they ended up they punt three plays later, four plays later, Kansas City drives down and scores and the comeback still is on. I you got to play defense is my point. Whether you regardless, even if you got that first down, even even if you punted there, you got to play D. It got to a point where they weren't, you you saw it. Houston was not going to be able to play defense. Yeah, credit to what Kansas City offense is and can be. But, I mean, we're trying to, you know, we're, we're pointing the finger for the Houston Texans. I think Bill O'Brien is still going to be the coach of this team. And I think he probably should. A lot of people will disagree and say they got to fire him, this, that, the other thing. He's an offensive guy, and what it comes down to is they need to figure out their defense, and, uh, you know, they got to make changes there. So, we'll see what happens. But I I would put my money on, yes, Bill O'Brien will be the coach of the Texans, and that's that's what is favored to happen. Minus 300. Minus 300. So, uh, those are the odds. And that is the NFL playoffs. And speaking of odds, I might as well stick with the odds as I'm, I'm on the page looking at them. Because outside of the playoffs here in New England, we have our eye on uh, the news and rumors going on with the Patriots offseason, you know, Josh McDaniels, um, Tom Brady. And when you look at the Tom Brady odds, as you know, Tom Brady can be an unrestricted free agent when the new league year begins in the middle of March, unless they come up with an extension before then. But it doesn't sound like anybody's in a rush on either side. So this thing is not going to be resolved, I don't think. I do think that Tom Brady, I think that the new league year will begin and Tom Brady will still be without a contract, which means he will be an unrestricted free agent. But as I told you the last couple weeks, and really I've told you all season long, I think Brady returns to the Patriots. And it it does sound like Vegas agrees with me. Uh, Brady's return to the Patriots is minus 300. The Patriots are the favorite to get Tom Brady. Brady returning to the Patriots is minus 300. After that, the odds have changed because last week we had Cleveland and Carolina 
Outside of the Patriots, it was Cleveland and then Carolina with the best odds to land Tom Brady. But because Cleveland and Carolina have now hired new coaches not named Josh McDaniels, they have fallen in the odds. So now the favorite outside of the Patriots, you got the Chargers at plus 200, the Cowboys at plus 700, the Raiders in Las Vegas at plus 700, and then the Colts at plus 800. Tom Brady is not going to play for the Indianapolis Colts. Can we can we stop it with that? He's not going to play for the Colts. Why? One, it's the Colts. You know the history between the Colts and the Patriots. But even if Brady was able to put that aside, the Indianapolis Colts, that's Peyton Manning's team. Tom Brady is not going to leave the Patriots and go to Peyton Manning's team. I know Peyton Manning finished his career with the Denver Broncos, but the Colts is still Peyton Manning's team. When you think of the Colts, you think of Peyton Manning. Tom Brady is not going to go play for that team. It's just not going to happen. So I don't even think you have to go beyond the Colts, plus 800. If you did want to, though, Carolina and Cleveland are plus 900. Tampa Bay also plus 900. Everybody was talking about Denver and Miami not too long ago. Denver's plus 1,200. Miami plus 1,400. But Brady's not leaving the Patriots. He's staying in New England. Those are just the odds. But if he does go somewhere else, there are some people out there that are already trying to jump on board the big story, which would be who's next? Who's the next quarterback for the Patriots going to be if Tom Brady goes somewhere else? Now, like I said, just to preface this conversation, I don't think Brady's going somewhere else. He's returning to the Patriots. But let's say craziness ensues and Brady goes elsewhere. Who will be the quarterback of the Patriots? Peter King. He thinks it could be Andy Dalton. (laughs) Here's Peter King. A quote. From his latest Football Morning in America column on NBC Sports, Peter King says, quote, I'm getting ahead of the game here a bit, but I think a great alternative for Andy Dalton in 2020 would be New England. If New England moves on from Tom Brady, Dalton has one year left on his contract and the Bengals would surely try to recoup something for him. But with everyone in the league knowing Cincinnati would be moving on from him in 2020, what would fair value be? A third-round pick? Too high. A fourth? Maybe. It'd be interesting if the Patriots viewed Dalton as a one- or two-year bridge to Jared Stidham or a future draftee. End quote from Peter King. (laughs) I mean... I guess you got to come up with some content, right? It's content creation. We live in a content creation world, and if you're not creating it, then you're not doing it right. But if you're trying to use logic with that content creation, I honestly don't know how you come up with Andy Dalton. The only reason I think he comes up with Andy Dalton is because of Dalton's contract. Like Dalton, like he mentions, has one year left of the contract. Let's see, 32, 33 years old, It's Andy Dalton. I know he likes to throw the football down the field. It's Andy Dalton. More importantly, it's the Patriots. More importantly, Tom Brady's not going anywhere. But let's say he did. Let's say I'm wrong and let's say Brady goes somewhere else. Do you really want Andy Dalton? Look, if Brady goes somewhere else, in my opinion, that's because the Patriots, for whatever reason, will say, we're not giving you what you want, which I will disagree with. 
Uh, and I will crush the Patriots for that. But if you're the Patriots and you say, you're going to say, we're not going to give you what you want, Tom. You're asking for too much. Let's pot ways. You can go sign somewhere else. Like, if I'm the Patriots, I'm just going with Jared Stidham. Jared Stidham's my guy. Not Andy Dalton. I'm not going to trade for Andy Dalton. That's a joke. You're not going to do that. That's a bad business decision. You stick with Jared Stidham. You then go all in on the Jared Stidham era, or at least until his contract's up. But again, his contract's not up until the end of the... What? He's here till 2022. Jared Stidham's contract, he's signed for the next three years. Stidham is. 2020, 2021, 2022. Which means that if you are going to sign Tom Brady to a contract, and Brady knows Stidham's contract, which again is going to play into his negotiation. If you're going to sign Brady to a contract, it should be a two-year deal, or maybe a three-year deal, two years with incentives to kick up in the third. Like You you have to look at Stidham's contract when you factor it in Brady's contract. I think Brady's also factoring that in. But to me, if you're the Patriots, the conversation is, it's either Brady or Stidham next year. It's not Brady, Stidham, or Andy Dalton. Like, no. What? That's foolish. If Andy Dalton is the Patriots quarterback next year, I will not be a fan of the New England Patriots. I'm just going to tell you that right now. You can quote me on that. You can post this on Twitter. You could copy this clip, play it, you know, tell the world. If Andy Dalton is the Patriots quarterback next year or at any point during my time as a football fan, as a Patriots fan. If Andy Dalton is the Patriots quarterback, I will no longer be a Patriots fan. It will be done. I'm wearing a Patriots t-shirt right now. Gonzo, see ya. You think for one second that I am going to sit here and root for a Patriots team that goes from Tom Brady to Andy Dalton? It's not going to happen. I don't care if Andy Dalton brings him to the fucking Super Bowl. I'm not going to be rooting for the Patriots. I'll be rooting for the other team. I am not going to root for a Patriots team that's being led by Andy Dalton. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that. You can't put me through that. You can't put us through that. At least with the kid in Stidham, there's some promise. There's that unknown. What can the kid from Auburn be? Yeah, he played in a big college football school. Like, What can he be? Let's see. Let's find out. Yeah, there might be some uh, growing pains here and there. We can't expect him to be Tom Brady. But there could be some promise that maybe Stidham can work in the system to do enough until he's able to make those big plays and and become that potential Pro Bowl caliber quarterback with the expectation that he's never going to be Brady, but perhaps he could grow into something special that we could root for and have a fun time still watching this team. That's one thing. You give me Andy Dalton next year, I'm out. (laughs) Okay? I am out. See ya. You cannot expect a fan base to go from Tom Brady to Andy Dalton. You can't. That's a transition that makes no sense. And if your thought process is, well, we want to bring in the veteran quarterback because Stidham maybe isn't ready still, tough shit. That's what I say, tough shit. Because if you're not bringing Brady back, that means you made a decision to not bring the veteran superstar greatest of all time back. And if you're not going to bring that veteran back, don't try to sell us on bringing a veteran and Andy Dalton to the team for one year until Stidham's ready. Bullshit. You go with Stidham or you lose me. I mean, you might lose me anyways if you decide, eh, we're not going to give Brady the big contract. You might lose me with that. But you got a better chance to keep me around if the move is Stidham. If, if, 
if the Brady stuff falls through and he goes elsewhere. Which again, I don't even want to really think of because I don't think that's going to happen. But if it does in the worst case scenario and the nightmare scenario plays out, do not force Andy Dalton on us. If you do, I am out. That's all I'm going to say about that. So, it's just, it's a little confusing as to why we'd be discussing Andy Dalton with the Patriots. Peter King's supposed to be a well-respected journalist and football analyst, right? Do I respect Peter King for this opinion? And is this, this is, I think this is your perfect example of opinion turned fact. People are going to see this. going to be like, oh, Peter King's well-connected in the football world. He must be close to Belichick. Clearly, he's getting this from someone. Clearly, Belichick wants to coach Andy Dalton. You're going to get that. If You might have already gotten it. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe people are already saying that. And I'm just not listening to them because it's stupid. You're going to get people see this. They're going to be, oh, Peter King. He mentions Andy Dalton. He brings it up out of nowhere. Is it out of nowhere? Or did he get it from Belichick? Does Belichick want to coach Andy Dalton? Belichick must want to coach Andy Dalton. <laughs> Please. Please. I, I. You know, people always want there to be that rift with Brady-Belichick, but every time I hear Brady and Belichick talking about each other, they're, they're, they're always just throwing the bouquets at each other. And I'm always somewhat in awe of the way Belichick praises Brady because it's those moments all the time where you see that and you're like, what? how come Belichick says he feels this way about Brady? But every time I have to listen to somebody speak about the relationship between Belichick and Brady, why is it completely different? Does Belichick respect Brady? Of course he does. But sometimes Belichick talks about Brady more than just respecting Brady Belichick makes it sound like he's in awe of Tom Brady as much as we are. Everybody around us that likes to tell us about their relationship, you you think like, like it's the complete opposite. A very confusing world we live in when it comes to Patriots coverage over the last 15 years. But this is another piece to that. Peter King going, if Tom Brady doesn't come back, Belichick might take a shot at Andy Dalton. I... That, that makes no sense to me. No, none. No sense. That makes no sense. The Patriots don't usually do things that make no sense. Usually this, they have, you know, a better sense than anyone else around the league. Especially with major moves. And, you know, I guess speaking of the Patriots and, um, you know, making the right decisions on things. They made the right decision getting rid of Antonio Brown. Did you see the video today with Antonio Brown? I mean, you know, I, I hope somebody checks in on him. Like, I hope there's somebody, anybody that's remotely close to this dude that can take his phone and throw it in the ocean. Antonio Brown, there's a video out there. I put it up in my feed on my Twitter feed, and I said, God must have blocked Antonio Brown's number. Because Antonio Brown, he always has that phrase, call God. He tweets out, call God. Right? It makes you believe that that Antonio Brown is in, is in touch with his religious side. And um, call God. That's his, that's his tagline on social media. 
But yet my response to that with Antonio Brown has always been, well, either Antonio Brown has the wrong number, he doesn't have the right number for God, or God does not want to answer or return his calls. And right now, it seems as if God has actually blocked Antonio Brown's number. Antonio Brown is in his, I guess his beautiful mansion, and he's on the front step outside, and there's like eight cops outside his house, and he's doing a live, what is it, live Instagram? Instagram live, is that what that is? An Instagram live video where he's just yelling at cops, calling them every name in the book, while his kids and and a woman with his kids are getting in the back seat of a cop car, I'm assuming the, the cops are coming to take the kids away from Antonio Brown with someone else. I I don't exactly know the details of what's going on, but what I can see and hear is something that leads me to believe Antonio Brown has lost his mind, and like anybody who's criticize the media for running Antonio Brown out of town or criticizes the Patriots for only looking about looking out for advertising dollars and and the bottom line and 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 you know the way they're perceived by other people like they cut Antonio Brown because Antonio Brown is a crazy asshole and the video that he posted today like if you if you're still denying that Nobody did Antonio Brown wrong except for Antonio Brown himself. And I don't know what, I, I don't know what you're seeing. Something is, something is wrong with Antonio Brown. Like, he has some serious issues. And you saw that while he was here. That's why he's not in Pittsburgh. That's why he's not in Oakland. That's why he's not in New England. That's why he's nowhere. That's why he's not in New Orleans. He worked out for them. They were like, eh. We told them no entourage, and he brought the entourage. And they filmed their own thing. They got their own little documentary. Right? Antonio Brown has lost his mind. He's a crazy asshole. That's what I've told you he was from, for the last year and a half. And I'm, it, anything that's happened with Antonio Brown has proven my theory on what he is to be true. Especially this video that he posted today. It's insane. It's insane. And the Patriots made the right call by getting rid of him. When they did. They did. They get, they made the right call. Um, But anyways, that I guess that's Patriots related because people wondering about the Patriots offense, wondering about what weapons, if Brady does come back, what weapons are they going to give Brady next year? You could also be wondering, is Josh McDaniels going to return to the Patriots? And right now it looks like, yeah, he's going to return. Josh McDaniels, on Friday of last week, he had an interview with the Cleveland Browns Seemingly the last team that had a job opening. An organization that some people thought would be a no-brainer for McDaniels. And I am so confused by that. I'm very confused by that. And I told you on this show, I don't understand why McDaniels would want to go to Cleveland. I don't. And perhaps maybe he was just doing his own due diligence and interviewing with another organization to see what what the plan was, what was going on. You know, I do think McDaniels is affected by what happened with his situation with Indianapolis. I certainly think he's affected by that. Um, you know, for all we know, McDaniels is like, eh, I just, I'm interviewing because why not? Like, why wouldn't you take the interview? You take the interview. You take the meeting. I don't see why, why you wouldn't. 
especially since you're, you're out of the playoffs, why not take the meeting with Cleveland? But I was surprised to hear how many people thought it was such a no-brainer for McDaniels. Oh, he's interviewing with Cleveland? He's going to the Browns. Like, I'm surprised how many people who know football, they know the game, they watch the Browns, they know the Patriots, they know McDaniels. I was surprised to see how many people were buying into this idea that it was a no-brainer McDaniels wants to go to Cleveland. I At the end of the day, I don't think he did. And the Browns, they hire... What, Minnesota Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski? I don't really know him. Um, But, I mean, you're never going to hear that McDaniels didn't want the job. Cleveland's going to say that they got the guy they wanted, right? They don't want to make it look like people are turning them down. So you're never going to hear that side of the story. But, I mean, I I actually would, I would believe it if it was reported that McDaniels' interview with Cleveland – and then was like, eh, yeah, I took the interview because it's like, we're not in the playoffs. It's a job opening. It's head. It's a head coach position. It's more money. You know, I might as well hear them out. They got a, a good young quarterback. I, they get some weapons offensively. I'm an offensive guy. I might as well hear them out. You know, if you win in Cleveland, you'll be a legend. I might as well hear them out. But I wouldn't be surprised if he heard them out and then was like, eh, you know what? This is not for me. I'm going to have more opportunities. Like, and we do this every year. People always go in on this is the offseason. McDaniels is gone. I don't know. It, 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 and next offseason, we might do the same thing. But there might not be the right opportunity. McDaniels, for all we know, McDaniels is going to be the next Patriots head coach. That Belichick only has two, three years left. And they work that out. I don't know. But I'm surprised by the amount of people that thought he was definitely going to Cleveland. I told you, I just don't think he, I don't think, I don't see why he would want to. And well, he's not going. And now because he's not going, the Patriots, it looks like, will see Josh McDaniels as their offensive coordinator again next year. Does that help the return of Tom Brady? I actually don't think that affects it either way. I don't. I don't think Tom Brady is making decisions based on where Josh McDaniels is going to be next year. I really don't. It's a huge decision for Brady. It's a huge decision for the organization, and they do have a decision to make. They're going to have to give Brady what he wants. I don't think that decision comes down to where Josh McDaniels is. I really don't. Because if we if we say that, then I think we're giving Josh McDaniels a little too much credit. I'm not trying to knock him, but we're giving him too much credit. If we, if we sit here, after all this time that Brady's put in the NFL, after all the success that Tom Brady's had with the New England Patriots, if we're going to sit back and go, Tom Brady's going to decide the rest of his future based on what McDaniels is going to do? I don't think so. I really don't. I think if we believe that, we're giving McDaniels too much credit. And and while I'll give him some credit for being a very good offensive coordinator, I will also say you got Tom Brady as a quarterback. I'm going to give him most of the credit for the success the offensive's had over the years. Right? So... And ultimately, I, I give the success to just the way it works, the way it functions, the Patriot way. All right, it didn't work this year, but it's worked most of the time. And that Patriot way was created by Bill Belichick. So I, I'm willing to give Bill Belichick more credit for the offense than Josh McDaniels, even though Belichick's the defensive guy. I'm not going to sit it today and tell you that McDaniel's presence helps or hurts Brady's 
Brady's decision when it comes to returning to the Patriots. I just I just don't think it has that much of an effect. If McDaniels took the job in Cleveland, I'd still be sitting there today telling you Brady would return to the Patriots. Now that McDaniels, it looks like he's not going to Cleveland. Obviously not going to Cleveland, but it looks like he is definitely coming back to the Patriots. I'll tell you, the odds of Brady returning to the Patriots are the same today as they were three days ago, four days ago. So, it looks like McDaniels will be back. You know, it's it's one it's just it's one less move the Patriots have to make this offseason is what it comes down to. They don't they now no longer have to go out and look for an offensive coordinator. And it's one less thing you have to do is is a good thing. So um outside of that, sticking with the offense, Julian Edelman arrested on Saturday night in Beverly Hills for vandalism after he was jumping on the hood of a driver's car. He was jumping on the hood of a car at 9 p.m. There were pictures and videos of him with Paul Pierce and Danny Amendola. I mean, this is one hell of a night. One hell of an afternoon. They must have had an afternoon for themselves. I don't know the story. Is there a video? If there is, I haven't seen it. Here's what I know. The report's coming out of Gillette. Coming out of Foxborough. Are that Julian Edelman is having multiple surgeries on his, what, on his knee and his shoulder? There's a rib injury there. He entered the season with the hand injury. We're hearing all these injuries for Julian Edelman. What are you doing? Running around, jumping on cars. Now, you know, again, we've all, we've all, we've all done some stupid shit, right? Everyone does some stupid shit, especially if y'all lick it up, right? You're doing a little booze and you do some stupid shit. Um, it's just when you're an Edelman's, when you're Julian Edelman, the season ended the way it did. You get a lot of people around these pots that have sympathy for you because you were, you were playing so banged up. Look, I love Julian Edelman. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think that, um... The Patriots are obviously much better with him than without him. I'll always be a fan of Julian Edelman. But I, I, I do have to look at this and go, if, if this was anyone else in the league, how would we be responding to this? Right? We'd be calling him a punk. We'd be calling him, you know, an idiot. We'd be saying, like, oh, this wouldn't happen with the Patriots. And if it happens to the Patriots, you know, you... They might think about letting you go. I'm not saying the Patriots should let Julian Edelman go because of this situation. I'm just telling you that Julian Edelman, this is a you got your head up your ass type of move on a Saturday night. Like, you, this cannot happen. You're a professional athlete. You're, a, you're one of the bigger names uh, in this town, in the league. You get all these reports about all this surgery that needs to be done on you, and you're out there running around jumping on the hood of a car? Like, it's just, you gotta be better than that. You gotta be better than that. And so, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of a weird story because I don't know that we have all the details. I'd love to see the video. I don't know if there is video. If there is, I, I missed it. I've been searching for it. I was searching for it all day. I mean, TMZ had a story, but I didn't see a video on there. 
unless it just wasn't loading on my screen. But um, it's a tough look. And, and I'm sure the Patriots aren't too happy about it. Right? I'm sure the Patriots aren't too happy about that. But this is uh, the type of move, like, you got your head up your ass if you're out there doing this right now. You got to get your head out of your ass. That's, that's basically it. Should the Patriots cut him for this? No. But get your head out of your ass. That That's what I'd say. If I'm Tom Brady, I text Julian Edelman. I say, come on, Jules, get your head out of your ass. Can't be doing that. Let's go. You can't just go out, have a good time, sit by the pool, go to the club, come back, sit by the pool. Like, that's it? You got to start running on cars? Like, let's go. What are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? Um, it's not like you're, it's not like he's a rookie in the league either. Like, you know, he's not 21, 22 years old anymore. It's a grow up, get your head out of your ass. Move, right? right? That, that's what this is. So that's what he needs to do. It's, it, it's an, it's an embarrassing look. It's a, it's a tough look. He should be criticized for it. So, um, that's some news we had with the Patriots, with the NFL. It's tough to watch the playoffs without the Patriots, but. I do think they'll be back. I do I do not think we'll have the Andy Dalton years ahead of us. I do not even think that we're going to get to the Stidham years next. The Tom Brady era is still here. He'll return. It's just we need to we need to let it play out. We need to let it play out. And um when we let that play out, we also need to let another situation in this town play out with a superstar player. And that's with the Red Sox and Mookie Betts. And over the weekend, Mookie Betts and the Red Sox avoid arbitration and agree to a one-year, $27 million deal. And what this one-year, $27 million deal does is it breaks the arbitration record set by Nolan Arenado, a guy that I bring up all the time with regards to Mookie Betts and a potential contract. And I'll, I'll do it again in just a moment. But Nolan Arenado, last year, last winter broke the arbitration record by signing a one-year $26 million deal at the age of, what, 27, right? Same age that Mookie Betts is now. And and what's what's notable about the Nolan Arenado deal last winter, last January, was that Arenado signed avoided arbitration in the final year of arbitration, final year of his deal, 27 years old. Arenado, they signed the one-year $26 million deal and then a month later, in February, Arenado and the Rockies ripped that one-year deal up and agreed to an eight-year, $260 million deal, which is, I think it was like $32.5 million a year? I think it was. So, what I've said all along with the Mookie Bet stuff is, go back and look at the Nolan Arenado contract and how that played out. And I think if you're the Red Sox and you need a measurement, right? You need to look at the market. You need something. You need something that's on paper already to say, let's follow this lead. Let's follow this path. Let's do it this way. Because in a negotiation with Mookie, you know, they're going to point to certain guys and you need to point to certain guys and say, this is the way we should do it. This is the market. Age, numbers, contract, they all match up. This is the way it is. And I think the Nolan Arenado contract, where he signs the one year, $26 million last year, a month later they rip it up, give him eight years, two sixty. The Red Sox should look at what the Rockies and Arenado did, and they should follow suit there. So Mookie Betts, I mean, they were going to agree to a one-year deal. 
whether he gets traded, whether they agree to an extension, or whether they just enter the season on the one-year deal, they were going to give him, there was going to be a one-year deal. So let's not overreact to this too much. If you are going to trade Mookie, I think you, you, you get the one-year deal done first, then you trade him, not the other way around. It's not like you're going to trade Mookie Betts and then have the other team handle that. I think you handle that, and at least you know he's, he's, he's locked in. You know, he's not going to hold out. He's, he's got that one-year deal. You trade for Mookie Betts, you're guaranteed to get him next year at 27 mil, right? But what I also think it does is it it's a number that's put down on a piece of paper that it, that you work around. Now at least you have a number that you work around. 27 mil, one year. Mookie's going to want more than that per year. There's no question. But like the Rockies did last year, they ripped it up and they gave Nolan Arenado from, they went from 26 mil to 32 and a half mil. Right? 26 to two, 32 and a half. So, that's a, a, a six. No, what is it? An eight and a half million dollar raise. Right? No, six and a half million. What am I talking? I gotta get, hold on. Hold on. It's the weather. It's, the weather's messing me up. Um... So they gave they gave Arenado last year twenty six. Let me just two hundred and sixty divided by eight is thirty two and a half. So I got that math right. Um, thirty two and a half minus twenty six is six and a half. You gave him a six. You gave Arenado six and a half mil per year raise. So let's just say twenty seven plus six and a half mil. Thirty three point five mil. That would be the market. Eight years. 33 and a half mil for Mookie Betts. If they wanted to take the next month, at least they have a number down. They could talk about it. Um, 33 and a half times eight. Hold on. 33 and a half times eight. 268. So maybe that's the number they offer bets. Maybe they say, we will give you 275 over eight years. 275 over 8. That's 34.4 mil a year. If I'm bets, you know, I mean, if I'm bets, I'm saying 300 at that point, 300 mil over 8. And that's the number that I came out to. I told you, I think three and a half, three, 300 mil, 300 million for eight years to me is a very fair offer to Mookie Betts. It is. This one-year $27 million deal does not prevent that from happening. It doesn't guarantee that it'll happen. But I think at least it now puts a number down on a piece of paper that you can work around. And you have time where you know he's under the contract for next year. And you can spend, you know, right now what Mookie can't say is, well, I only want to focus on 2020. Because 20, the season hasn't started yet. So it gives you, let's say, a month. Let's say you got a month, a month and a half now. Let's just say a month. You got a month till people start trickling into spring training where you can discuss and have serious negotiations behind the scenes with Mookie Betts' agent. Right? It gives you a month. And the precedent that's been set, you can look back at Nolan Arenado and go, hey, that's a month in which you could say something could get done. You could rip this one-year $27 million contract up and something still could get done. So... 
I, I like that they came to this agreement. You kind of knew they were going to have to agree to something. But I like that they have a number they can work around. I like that there's something that's been, there was something that was set last year and a, a similar player at the same age, similar type of contract, superstar player in this league. And I think that, you know, I think we could, we, it's possible that we could see an extension. I think, I think it is. I know people are ruling it out, but I think it's possible. You know, it's all this trade talk of Mookie Betts. That also could be the Red Sox negotiating with Mookie Betts publicly. Well, we can send you wherever we want this year. Yeah, we can, we can trade you anywhere. You know, we're willing to do it. Calling Mookie's bluff. Maybe they think Mookie really doesn't want to leave this town. He's settled in. This is the place he wants to be. Maybe they believe that. And they're like, yeah, if you don't want to agree to our terms, we're going to send you wherever we want. We'll send you all the way to the West Coast. And and maybe that's just the way they're playing it with these trade rumors. Maybe the Red Sox are the ones leaking them out and they're not even true. It's going to be a negotiation. We're going to hear more rumors. What I'm telling you is I like the one-year 27 mil because I think it can be used as a way to get the ball rolling on a potential long-term extension, which is not, a long-term extension is not out of, I mean, people will say, well, Mookie is definitely going to want to go to free agency, and he wants the 400 mil. I mean, you're not going to give him 400 mil. We've already gone over this. I've already gone over what they should and shouldn't give Mookie bets. But I think you have to know that you're going to have to give him a lot. You're going to have to break that Arenado contract. At least you got it on paper, the market value, um, you know, the measuring stick. Like, you got, you, that's all there now. It, 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 this get this one-year deal gets the ball rolling. It really does. It gets the ball rolling. That's what I think. And we'll see. They got a month to work something out, you know? And if they go into spring training and there's no deal, then you... And, and, and Mookie tells you, well, we're not going to talk. It's the season's begun. At spring training, part of the season. The season's begun. We're done talking contract. You had your time. You had the month of January, the first half of February. Now we're on to baseball. If they tell the, if the Red Sox that, then you entertain trading him. And you entertain trading him knowing that he's on a contract. And if you don't trade him, he's, he is going to play for you next year. So, um, all possibilities are still... <laughs> Uh, are still out there. It's just that I think this one year, 27 mil, gets the ball rolling on a potential long-term extension. So whatever does happen with the Mookie Bet stuff, I will react to it. Just a couple other numbers that are out there. JBJ, Jackie Bradley Jr., he avoided arbitration and agreed to a one-year $11 million deal with the Red Sox. So JBJ will make 11 mil next year. Andrew Benatendi and Eduardo Rodriguez, they will go to arbitration. They could not come to an agreement. Ben Attendee wants 4.15 mil next year. And Eduardo Rodriguez wants 8.9 mil. And um, what the Red Sox were offering was less, but it wasn't a whole lot less. It's just, I think Ben Attendee, Eduardo Rodriguez, that's what they think they're going to get in arbitration. And so that's the number they're sticking to. So um, we'll keep an eye on that as well. But that's the news in Major League Baseball. That's the news with the Red Sox. That is the show. You can get this show whenever you want on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, on my website, DannyPicard.com. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash DannyPicard. 
Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. I'll be back on Thursday. I will give you a picks picks for the conference championship games in the NFL. And certainly we'll react to any other news that is out there in the sports world, specifically with the Patriots offseason, the Red Sox offseason. You got Celtics, Bruins, they're in action. Before you know it, the playoffs will be here. So we'll get into that in the next couple weeks as well. But um, yeah, picks, picks on Thursday. Enjoy the rest of your week. I am out. Talk to you then. <laughs>